Yes, this is a South Mims U podcast, but I wanted to start it with some silence. That was silence. Silence isn't an absence of sound. It's not an absence of any kind of sound. It's the absence of the sound of humans. My name is Matthew Morgan Launder, and I am the world's first professor of silence. You might be wondering what my lectures are like. Here's a recording I made in one. I do speak. I actually use words to get my ideas across, but I also intersperse my words with a goodly amount of silence. Not for the sake of it, not because I'm lazy, though many are attracted to the study of silence out of laziness. I soon recognise the signs, and any student who's taking my course to loaf about pretending to study silence gets kicked out, and I always slam the door after them to make a point. Failure is noise. Laziness is noisy. Success is silent. Or it should be. Here is another example of silence. Again, you're thinking, but that's a noisy kind of silence. The beat and pulse of cicadas in the night air somewhere in, well, I forget just where that was. And yes, it is noise. No, I shouldn't use that word. That word is defined in dictionaries as a loud, confused or senseless sound. And it's also defined as something that lacks agreeable musical quality or is noticeably unpleasant. Those cicadas aren't noise. They are sounds and memories. Memories of my honeymoon with Samantha. So they are musical. They are agreeable. And for me, they count as silence. Just like this. You might not call that silence, but you would probably call that soothing. And that's what silence should be. Soothing. An escape from disagreeable, non-musical noise. And music. Music is not silence. But when it touches your heart, it is not noise either. It is a special kind of silence. Perhaps by now you understand what I mean by silence. It is not a vacuum. The absence of sound entirely, that would be, I believe, death, negation, nothing. Silence is about the richness of thought and experience. Silence is about insight and intuition. Silence should nurture you and enable your brain to buzz with ideas and memories and schemes and calculations and anything that makes you, you. Perhaps that's what a brain sounds like when it's firing on all cylinders. Not... That's noise, though of course to some people, petrol heads, car enthusiasts, that's also a strange kind of music. But it is not music to think to. And music is, in a way, silence too, because the best kind of music disappears into your mind and carries you away to the point where you're not listening to it consciously anymore. Before you know it, the music is over and you find yourself in a profoundly quiet place, 
not because there is no sound around you, but because you have reached a part of yourself that is, perhaps, truly you. Okay, I know that sounds a little too profound, in quotes, and I don't mean it to be a kitsch kind of profound. It's the kind of state that monks achieve in their cavernous churches with their complex musical chants. It's why Gregorian chant exists, not for the entertainment value, but to buttress the silence you need in your mind and your heart to attain communion with God. The 20th century American monk, Thomas Merton, wrote, An awareness of God is impossible without silence, recollection, solitude, and a certain withdrawal. For a monk, contemplation is work. It is their duty to pray for the rest of society who do not have the luxury of solitude and time. But they don't shy away from sound. In fact, they embrace it. Now, I'm not a religious person, so for me the point is not to get closer to God, but to get closer to myself and to a sense that my life is richer than I think it is. It is more than the sum of my possessions or my money or my work. It is something more profound than that. But how can I find the space to even attempt to get close to that? I live in a world full of unwanted sound. I live in an orally polluted world. We live in a miasma of noise. I use the word miasma, which usually denotes something vaporous or a noxious emanation that causes illness, deliberately. Noise does cause illness. Noise pollution blights our world, just as the cars and trucks and factories and power stations pump gases into the atmosphere to clog our lungs, so they also pump noise into the world to deaden our sense of hearing, literally and figuratively. We can't hear ourselves, we can't think, we can't escape. We have given up seeking silence. In fact, silence frightens us. Alain Corbin, the author of a book called The History of Silence, writes, The fear, even dread, caused by silence has intensified. We have almost forgotten what silence is. We need to learn how to be silent again, not just for our own sakes, but for the sake of our children. Exposure to noise, especially when it's constant and chronic, causes illness, both physical and mental. Constant exposure to high levels of noise elevates the blood pressure, leads to loss of sleep, increases your heart rate and cardiovascular constriction, breathing can be laboured, and your brain chemistry changes. Government reports from all over the world show these things to be true. Your own experience is enough, though. Try spending too much time with that noise going on and you'll realise that very quickly you will get anxious and depressed and fail to achieve anything worthwhile. Ah, let's just let that moment of release sink in. Noise stops us learning. It's been shown that constant noise reduces the ability of children to learn. One report shows that schools close to a busy railroad track with lots of freight trains have kids who achieve lower academic attainment than schools in quieter neighbourhoods. And even in a single school, the classroom by this busy road has kids who do less well than those kids whose classroom is on the other side of the school by the woods. Okay. 
So we know that silence is important. It nurtures us. It gives us a chance to refresh our thoughts and re-examine our lives and motives. But what can we do to find it in a world where it's hard to escape unwanted noise? Here's what happened to me when I decided to find just five minutes of silence at home yesterday. It was a Sunday, the day of rest. I sat in my garden here in South Mims and tried to collect my thoughts for this podcast. I was nervous about it. I'd never done a podcast before, and I didn't want to let my Department of Silent Studies colleagues down. So I sat down and tried to think. The sound of the birds and the gentle breeze is silence. Those are sounds I want. I cherish those sounds. And for a few minutes I thought, you know, I'm going to be able to do this, to find 10 minutes of perfectly natural sound. But it didn't happen. So I won't inflict you with the whole tape, but here are some of the, let's call them, lowlights. I could feel my breathing getting shorter and shallower as the sound of the lawnmower enveloped me and my pulse rate shot up. So I went inside. When the lawnmower stopped, I went back outside, this time with a timer. I wanted to see how long it would take for the silence to be spoiled. I only got to around 45 seconds. I reset the timer. 35 seconds later... I knew that the battle of the leaf blowers had started. There's a man who lives three doors away who blows the leaves from his lawn onto his neighbour's lawn. Then he goes inside, and a few minutes later, his neighbour blows the leaves back. I knew this would go on for half an hour or so, so I went back inside to make notes for what I wanted to say in this podcast. And later... I managed to get to 3 minutes and 22 seconds, when the sunshine brought out the DIY enthusiasts. And their kids. It was too much. It was the Danish philosopher Soren Kierkegaard who wrote, Everyone who knows how to remain silent becomes a divine child, for in silence lies the recollection of his divine origin. Noise gets in the way of the divine, however you want to define divine, and we cannot, it seems, escape noise. What does the word silence actually mean? It comes originally from a verb which describes a persistent state of being, the Latin word silere, which is a verb, the action of being quiet or still. Scholars tell us that it comes from a more ancient word, which means an ability to remain calm or to stop moving, and was used to describe the moment when the wind drops or water calms. The air still moves, but more slowly. The water still pulses, but without sound. And that is what silence means to me. I still breathe, but softly. I still think, but calmly. 
That is silence, true silence. It means being part of nature, the pulse of nature and its sounds, your pulse, the wind, your breathing, the waves, or the waterfall, or the soft tread of a deer seeking something succulent in a forest, a falling leaf, a fluttering butterfly, in their own way are also loud sounds, but they are the sounds of silence. Okay, I knew I'd get to <laughs> paraphrasing that song title, and if we could afford the copyright, I'd play it right now. But only to prove that music, too, is silence, as I defined it before. If it soothes your soul and activates that which makes you truly human, your creative, emotional, logical, inquisitive thoughts, and even your quiet, rambling conversation with the person you love, or just lying there, listening to each other breathe. That's a deeply human silence. Jewish mystics have a doctrine they call Tzim Tzim, which I hope I've said properly, but what it denotes is the fact that God held his breath after inhaling deeply to allow humanity to create their own sounds through language and build a world of words, which we did. <laughs> but I don't know how much sense we've made of the world, so I think we need to take action. And at South Mims U, in our Department of Silence Studies, we're recruiting. We will train and deploy a team of silencers. Okay, that sounds like a team of crack assassins. It isn't, I promise you. It's inspired by an ancient idea. In the 3rd century BC at the court of Byzantium, a very special job was given to some very important officials. They were called silentiari, courtiers, who were tasked with controlling noise. The emperor or empress would make it known what sort of level of noise they would tolerate at any given time or occasion. And then they would make it known to the silentiari, who would go and hush people, or even encourage them to make noise. It all depended on what the royals wanted, and when they wanted silence, the silentiari would go out and make that happen. They would silence the world, the human world. They did not attempt to silence the wind. Or the rain. Or the birds. Or the cicadas. Just the humans, because human sound is the only sound that offended their ears. And that's what we want to do here at South Mims U. You will be able to call us and we'll send a professional silencer to your home or place of work to reduce unwanted noise. When the service is launched, we'll let you know. It's important to think about, it's important to think about the sound of the natural world as, well, natural. Not as noise, but as music. Not, I stress, music. This is not sound to distract you, or send you to sleep, or make you shop more, but sound to energise and inspire you, just like the best music. And you can think of those sounds I mentioned before. Wind, rain, birds, cicadas, as music. Think of them that way and you will find a certain harmony which will give you a greater ability to think. 
because in the end thinking is rhythmic. You start at one place, as if at the start of a musical stave, and then you progress through the melody of your thoughts. And it might be the same old thoughts you've been thinking for years, your hopes, ambitions, disappointments, but there will always be a variation which will surprise you. On August the 29th, 1952, the radical American composer John Cage got an audience together in a barn at Woodstock, upstate New York, the same place the famous rock festival took place in 1969, exactly 17 years later. And his project was to perform a composition called 4 minutes and 33 seconds. Here's a 10 second clip. The music wasn't played on the piano, and yes, there was a piano. A pianist named David Tudor, an old friend of Cage's, took the stage, sat down at the piano as if he was going to play it, but didn't play it. Instead, he turned the pages of a blank set of staves as if he was playing the music, and he did it for four minutes and 33 seconds. Many people in the audience thought it was a joke, but it wasn't. And when it started to rain, the sound of the rain on the roof became part of the music. That was silence, it was music, and it was a time to think deeply. The four minutes and 33 seconds became a potential score of sounds which one writer likened to an empty box which could be filled with whatever you want, and linked it to the Zen principle which goes, That which is form is emptiness. That which is emptiness is form. Okay, so some people just got bored. But again, the Zen principles apply. If you find something boring for two minutes, try it for four. If it's still boring, try it for eight. And so on. Until you realise it's not boring. It's just a chance for you to think in silence. The musical silence of the real world, not the man-made world. There is no such thing as silence, in our world at least, because even if you were to sit perfectly still in a chamber from which all external sound was banished, there would still be the sound of your body, that pulse which keeps on going, the rhythm of your life. So let's take silence seriously, nurture it, and make the most of it when we can find it. To rest, to think, to dream, and to act. If you want to know more, then please sign up for our silent studies. It's hard work, but it's worth it. Goodbye.